the market is already showing that they expect that this Fed activity is going to be successful at cooling inflation. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. With inflation potentially having peaked, could central banks start to lower interest rates sooner than expected? In today's episode, portfolio managers Charles Meisey, Matt Montemuro, and your host Mark Rays break down the cases for a bullish versus a bearish outlook. They also discuss market volatility, high-yield bonds, and Canadian banks. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and approved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETF weekly insight call with our team of experts. I'm today's host, Mark Rays, head of product for BMO Global Asset Management. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. We are joined today by two of our portfolio managers on our ETF desk, Matt Montemuro and Charles Meisey. Thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Mark. Thanks. Great. Well, we appreciate it. Let's get right into things. Lots to talk about per usual. Certainly seeing a lot of volatility in the markets. The markets have now had a rally from their June lows. Uh, and now short-term volatility certainly coming down off that recent high. But we still see the long-term ball you know, pretty stubbornly elevated. How do you reconcile uh, these two different outcomes? And how are you advising clients to position their portfolios in, in, in light of this persistent volatility uh, or perhaps to take advantage of it? Thanks. Thanks, Mark. I'm going to take that one. And let, let me start by saying that uh, in, uh, in most times, in stress or normal market conditions, the implied bond, which is the price you actually pay to transact in the option market, and is usually reflective of uncertainty the option players see the market, is traditionally uh, high, but uh, what uh, the market has, the market usually behaves, a realized bond. And that's because of a structural supply-demand imbalance that uh, exists in the option market, whereby we have more buyer than seller of options. What usually happens is most investors tend to overbuy both to protect their portfolio or to buy cars to get rich quicker. What happens is the behavior tends to maintain vol at a higher level. Now, what happened last month was that uh, we had decent earnings uh, over, I believe, over 75% bits, uh, and we had headline inflation coming down. That brought some euphoric sentiment in the market. Investors start buying stock instead of buying call or start unwinding some of, some of the hedges. As a result, short dated bonds over so front month of the, uh, of the curve came down across all markets, SMP, small cap, emerging markets as the investor thought that the market may be t- turning the corner in the short term. But what the long-term ball are telling us is not to get too jubilant or ahead of ourselves because there are still some risks 
in the long term. That is why they're remaining elevated. And uh, investors that have been able to live with and correctly capture the dynamic of uh, the temporary relief involved but lingering long-term uncertainty has been seller of index vol. And particularly, uh, investors will use the DXM, which is the S&P overweight program uh, that systematically uh, sell at the money uh, uh, option. And they've been able to generate consistent yields and outperform the S&P. You can go back at the beginning of a year or even longer than that. And their current positioning suggests that they're going to be doing, keep, they are likely to go keep doing that over the next month, as long as long, uh, long day the vault can stay higher. And that is why we've been recommending to our, we're recommending over the last couple of while, our suite of a cover called uh, ATF, which actually do uh, the same program, the overwriting of of security in the short term, and, and you know, as a way of participating in extracting implied bond, uh, and and then you know, what the market try to find uh, their footing, right? And particularly, what we like is we like uh, ZWU, which is our ETF that gives exposure to uh, a large set of dividend-paying uh, utilities, uh, you know, in North America. And also, we do like uh, ZWC, our ETF uh, uh, that gives you exposure to, uh, to the Canadian market and we try to extract uh, the rich implied board that uh, we see in the market. And finally, uh, we also like exposure to ZWH, which is our US uh, cover call uh, fund. Uh, that you know, in the U.S., being the, the rich market where the implied vol are still pretty elevated, while the realized vol coming down, and that allow you to keep extracting uh, the uh, richness of, of of option market. So uh, you know, you know, so, uh, you know. Long story short, here is long uh, shorted the vol has come down because there is some uh, relief, perceived relief in the market. But you know, uh, risk still there in the, in, in the back end, and we like cover calls because that's allowing to extract the risk, risk premium in the market. Great, thanks for that update, Charles. And certainly the WC, as you mentioned, a great ETF for today's market. And those cover call programs unique in that they're actually able to take advantage of volatility for clients, perhaps by earning more premiums or perhaps by writing further out of the money uh, and still generating that yield for clients. So good update there. Does market volatility have you wondering where to go to ride out the storm? Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's money market and ultra-short-term bond ETFs offer several high-quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit bmoetfs.ca and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS, or read our latest product insights. Let's turn to fixed income. Have you seen this risk on uh, trade translate to fixed income markets? Specifically, can you focus in on high-yield bonds using our ZHY and ZJK ETFs? 
and talk about your your outlook for high yield going into year end. Thanks. Yeah, I can take this one, Mark. And you know, it's been a very rough start to the year for all risk assets. And you know, we saw high yield bonds sell off uh, quite significantly uh, for the better half of 2022 so far. We've seen, you know, CDX spreads widen to around 600 basis points. You know, we haven't seen those levels, uh, you know, before March 2020 in, in, in quite some time. You know, and but you know, with that widening, what we're starting to see is investors look at these levels as an entry point and looking at high yield and saying, okay, at some point, this is a buying opportunity. And since that uh, kind of 600 basis point um, peak in credit spreads, and, and as kind of what Charles just mentioned in terms of that kind of euphoric uh, rally in the markets, we have seen a rally in, in high yield bonds. And, and that's been accompanied by consistent inflows in high yield ETFs, like Mark mentioned, ZHY, ZJK, you know, and, and also the US uh, uh, ETF counterparts have, have seen some significant inflows in the last, just the last few weeks, as you know, it looks like investors are trying to time the bottom of the market. So, you know, given the sell-off that we've seen, I do think it's worth considering adding uh, high yield to your portfolio. I, I think a lot of investors, um, you know, with the the challenges in fixed income early in the year, uh, kind of de-risk their portfolio, may have removed high yield from uh, from their fixed income, tried to just, you know, move up the quality spectrum and the, and the credit curve. Uh, I, I think right now with where, where high yield is pricing, this could be that, that opportunity to get back in. Yield, uh, so high yield does provide that yield enhancement, which is uh, very attractive uh, on the fixed income side of the portfolio, as well as a very strong portfolio uh, diversifier uh, with very uh, low correlation to, to a traditional fixed income portfolio. So, you know, high yield bonds tend to be a very good uh, portfolio building block, you know, enhancing that yield, but also reducing, reducing that uh, vol overall. You know, high yield tends to be more correlated to equity markets while exhibiting more of the volatility profile of bonds. So it's a nice sweet spot there. And, and I think given the current market levels, uh, you know, I, I think it could be an opportunity for investors to add to uh, add or, or, or initiate a position in high yield. You know, if you look at spreads historically, right now high yield spreads are sitting wider than their 10-year historical average, you know, meaning that I, I think that there could be opportunity for tightening this fall. I think the uh, inflation concerns that we that have plagued us for much of the year are starting to subside, and I do think that that could bring a constructive environment for uh, high yield. You know, I actually just saw an excellent piece by uh, CIBC ETF Research. They just put out a piece uh, on the opportunity in high yield and, and specifically why ETFs may be a perfect tool for investors to use in this environment to get that diversified exposure, but also to be able to get in and out of this trade uh, if, if they see fit. So I encourage you to, to take a look at uh, or, or, or uh, look up that uh, piece by CIBC ETF research. It's definitely worth a read. So, you know, you mentioned look at your outlook into the fall. You know, I do think now would be an excellent entry point. Um, the Fed and the Bank of Canada continue to stay firm in their monetary policy decisions uh, in, in the attempt to control inflation. You know, it does look like to, like that uh, that 
that mon- their monetary policy decisions are working, uh, but they'll need to continue to be vigilant as they move into the fall. We need to make sure that we uh, continue to see uh, that drop in inflation. And, and, and the hope is that peak inflation is behind us and, and something that uh, can be controlled going forward. No, I do expect some volatility. You know, high yield is a risk asset. So don't expect this necessarily to just be a linear upward trade. But, you know, expect some volatility, you know, as, uh, you know, spreads do come in and out based on market sentiment. Just in this past week, we saw spreads tighten to about 420 basis points. So, you know, from that 600 basis point high, we're seeing about 170 basis points of tightening and then widen out. Uh, as investors kind of exited that trade to, to kind of right now where we're sitting at about 490 basis points. Again, this is quite a bit wider. We're talking about, a, a, you know, 100 basis points wider than we've seen uh, in the 10-year average. So I do think this could still continue to be uh, a strong entry point um, as we look forward. So, you know, looking at high yield. We have several uh, ETF solutions that can take advantage of this trade. I know you can really take advantage of that seven to eight percent yield, that nice yield enhancement uh, within a portfolio. So, you know, if you want that traditional uh, high yield exposure, full market exposure, you can look at ZHY and ZJK uh, or something a little bit more short duration if you're still concerned about rising rates in ZFH, which is our floating rate uh, high yield uh, ETF. And then if you're looking for something a little bit more uh, innovative and new, we also have our ESG high yield products, which is ESGH and ESGH.F, you know, giving a very similar yield enhancement to, to the, the standalone ZHY and ZJK, but does put a ESG overlay, making it slightly higher quality portfolio, but also something that uh, I think should be uh, considered for, for many investors. And, you know, in the last few weeks, as we've seen investors, you know, rethink fixed income, start to enter fixed income, or uh, sorry, enter high yield, uh, we've seen inflows in both ZHY, ZJK, and ESGH and ESGH.F. So something worth considering. I think it's uh, you know, going into September, which we're going to be uh, getting quite a bit busier uh, into the fall, I think high yield is something that uh, a lot of fixed income investors could look to add to their portfolios, you know, going forward. Thanks for that update. And we'd be remiss not to speak about the the big meeting later on this week out at Jackson Hole. Uh, now, as we think about the inflation outlook and the and the Fed stance and path of rates, and certainly hearing a hawkish tone going into the meeting, can we have some comments on expectations on rates or even rate cuts if we look far enough out? Uh, what's your reading of current market conditioning and condition? Sorry, and how that affects positioning advice when you talk to clients. Oh, thank you, Mark. Um, well, I don't want to be a bearer of bad news, uh, but the dynamic we're seeing across the market, uh, which includes uh, a broad revision to earnings uh, or falling of uh, consumer sentiment across the board, uh, you know, uh, we also have a tightening of labor market, all seem to be pointing to a period of continued volatility. Um, and there, there is a the Fed ever-changing forward guidance uh, that uh, seems to be adding to volatility of the market uh, as the Fed keep on changing their estimates. 
uh, inflation, you know, was temporary before it became entrenched. Uh, growth was, you know, uh, solid before they revised lower their 2022 and 2023 uh, growth estimates. Uh, you know, they're going, they were going to to tighten pretty aggressively before they start uh, tidying everything to month to month and day to day data dependency. So, uh, you know, uh, we have a lot of risk in the market uh, as it is, but uh, the Fed action seems to be adding to uh, volatility to the market. Um, all this has market participants divided into uh, two camps. The camps of investors who became, you know, as you said, uh, last month very euphoric and pushed the market higher. And, uh, as, you know, as a result of uh, uh, the soft uh, inflation cranes we had in July, uh, they strongly believe that uh, inflation may have peaked and that the Fed uh, has already inflicted enough damage to the, uh, to the economy and then uh, they might, they, it might be done in, in, with the tightening. Uh, if anything, uh, that group uh, believes that uh, the Fed next move uh, is, is actually way cut and therefore cutting needs to be happening earlier in next, uh, uh, next year. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there is another group, and I happen to, uh, to, to belong to that group myself. Um, uh, believe that inflation is going to be slower in coming uh, down, and that's because just uh, oil and gas prices will, will remain elevated while nations severe, you know, um, severe their ties with Russia over uh, Ukraine and the world. And, you know, that group also believes that, uh, you know, uh, they're also pointing to uh, deglobalization uh, as another factor of uh, supporting inflation. You know, uh, as countries try to rebuild their supply chain, this will take time. It will impact costs. You know, let alone uh, nowadays we have a casual labor market that is uh, giving workers the power to push for higher pay. Right. So if you combine all that, uh, a lot of things seem to be pointing to uh, the Fed being uh, obligated to uh, continue tightening and perhaps uh, recognize that, uh, you know, the certain landing they're trying to achieve, uh, it's going to be a, a pretty, uh, uh, you know, there's a new path to getting there. And uh, they might have to, uh, you know, uh, to push uh, the talk of rate cut even better, in, you know, if any of that can happen. So uh, given all that, uh, you know, uh, this Jackson Hall meeting, which actually uh, concluded Friday, uh, may be pivotal in uh, in defining the short-term outlook of, of of the market and setting the tone for what's going to happen uh, in September Fed action and beyond. Uh, and, and there is still the expectation that the Fed will be hawkish on Friday, and the S&P 500 positioning is uh, is, is completely uh, bearish. And you know, not to blame anybody, and that's you know, given that the Fed has publicly publicly stated uh, that they will take, uh, uh, they will do what uh, what it takes to curb demand in order to combat inflation, and if, even that mean uh, you know, uh, inducing recession. So, uh, uh, but uh, there's a but. Uh, if the Fed should the Fed come out even slightly slightly dovish. Or have an ambiguous language in terms of guidance, uh, there could be a reversal and a, you know, a relief rally in the market. Um, so, 
uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not here suggesting that you should uh, choose the camp, uh, and uh, you don't have to, and uh, and uh, you, could, you could even have, you know, uh, a leg in both camp. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, what you cannot ignore is the fact commitment to try to uh, to uh, you know curb demand. Uh, in order to, to, com- to combat uh, inflation, uh, you're going to have to keep that in mind. But regardless of what the Fed does or no, or no they don't do, as a long-term investor, um, you know, uh, instead of trying to guess what's going to happen, you know, as long term, you should know at least we at least tend to focus on what smart money, what we call smart money, uh, are doing to protect their portfolio against. Uh, uh, inflation, because inflation is already here, right? And and we look at the behavior. You talk about uh, the pin code, Bridgewater, Bridgewater, all you know, uh, you know, um, uh, two sigma uh, uh, smart hedge fund. Uh, what they're doing is that they're buying inflation protected bonds, right? And turn out that uh, we do like tips, uh, and and. Uh, 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 as Matt just explained, you know, inflation is uh, you know still very concerned for everyone. And I was the tip, uh, uh, you know, I was the tip, uh, you know, uh, gives you a nice exposure to fixed income with some you know inflation protection in the back of it. And uh, you know, the yield you get is pretty, uh, uh, is pretty actually, uh, uh, pretty, de- uh, de- pretty uh, decent uh, yield given uh, market condition. And what what uh, hedge fund uh, smart money I was doing is they are also boosting the exposure to uh, commodities. So now there's a case to be made, uh, you know, for commodity exposure, uh, and especially especially with oil and gas and uh, whatnot, uh, all the uh, 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 you know agricultural products. Like, but uh, commodity is not my favorite. Uh, that's the personal opinion there. It was my favorite uh, recommendation because I believe there is too many uh, political variables uh, that might impact output of you know of energy market. You know, let's say you know there is an Iran deal, uh, rich or or Saudi decide to agree in some additional oil and gas supply in the market, and overnight we have the flood of uh, oil in in the market. So despite that, you know all the uh, smart money uh, gravitating into the commodity. I do like a different approach in getting exposure today uh, into the market. You know, I like the combo of low vol plus quality. And, you know, uh, you know, low vol plus quality and low vol. Uh, we all know that you know, uh, when the market is going higher, uh, uh, every investment participates. And uh, but uh, fortune are lost and uh, and uh, and uh, you know wealth. Uh, destroy on the down market and low ball give you the element of capital protection while start participating, uh, still participating in the upside uh, upside market. So, and I, I like the low ball in the current environment. Uh, in the current environment, you know, should you know the, the Fed uh, remain uh, remain uh, focused. Uh, at the same time, at the same time, you cannot dismiss. Uh, quality comp, uh, company, right? Because they are leader in the, the respective sector. They have the pricing power and the power of innovation. Okay? They have a strong balance sheet, uh, you know, that allows them to weather downside uh, market cycle, you know, and they usually they tend to come ahead, you know, when the market uh, uh, 
turn around and shoot themselves in, in such a thick. So, uh, you know, for me, it's going to be a, you know, you know for, in this current market, it's a trilogy of recommendation where you get the Z-tip, in, on, uh, Z-tip on one side, you get uh, low volume, and you get uh, quality. That should, should uh, allow you to be better positioned after, even after Jackson Hall bidding. And should inflation peak, uh, you should have the quality rebounding uh, faster. And it should inflation continue to be uh, persistent, and your low voice should give you enough capital protection while you cost things in the market. So uh, I like I like those, uh, that, that combo, and then uh, that's uh, uh, that, that's where we, we you know advise the client to structure the, the portfolio. Great, thanks for that update, Charles. Uh, just a quick one here to finish off this discussion that's centered around inflation. Can you tell us what the market is expecting in terms of inflation break-evens and what that means here in Canada and what it tells us about inflation going forward? Thanks. Yeah, I can take this from Mark and just kind of echoing some of uh, Charles' points there. You know, the Fed and the Bank of Canada, you know, the action that we've seen from them, you know, thus far, you know, basically since March, it's definitely gotten the market's attention in terms of break-even. So, you know, after peaking in March 2022, you know, at the time, one-year inflation break-evens hit a peak of 6.3%. So, again, let's bring it back. This meant this means that in uh, in March, the market was expecting one-year inflation, so in March 2023, to be 6.3%. The, the Fed has acted quite firmly since then, uh, gotten the, atten- the market's attention, and, and expectations have significantly dropped uh, since then. And, and I think you know it's a testament to the firm monetary stance that uh, that the Fed is, has uh, taken and uh, shown that it's it's been you know somewhat uh, successful in, in cooling inflation uh, and rather. Uh, in a rather quickly quick time, so you know it, it's interesting because we just are seeing potentially the the hitting peak inflation, but the market is already showing that uh, they expect that this Fed activity is going to be successful at cooling inflation. Because if you look at right now, you know just five months later, one year inflation break evens are sitting at 270. So that's a stark contrast from that 630 that we saw just five months ago. Uh, but it is it is kind of it is the representation that that the market does think that this Fed policy is going to to continue and is going to be successful in cooling uh, inflation. And you know we're starting to see that impact in both Canada and the U.S. You know July was a, was a very positive month uh, in both uh, CPI prints. We, we hopefully are seeing peak. Um, CPI or peak price increases in June. We did see them both come down slightly in July, which is uh, which is great news for for all of us who are who were uh, continually talking and, and concerned about inflation. So that's something that's positive that we can uh, look forward to. I did want to go uh, look a little bit into July's ca- Canadian CPI print, go into uh, a couple of the the numbers underneath just that headline number. You know, so that the the headline number saw prices increase by only, and I and I say only with air quotes, seven point six percent. So it's not like inflation's gone away, but it's starting to go in the other direction. It's starting to cool, which is which is the first step in that first positive sign. You know, that's that seven point six is down from eight point one in June. 
you know, if you look forward, uh, th this does mean that it's likely that the that inflation is going for Q3 anyways, is going to undershoot the Bank of Canada's forecast of 8%. So, you know, that's again, that's another good sign. The Bank of Canada had forecasted 8% for Q3. We're likely going to be under that, which meaning, meaning that Bank of Canada policy is um, being uh, receptive. It is doing what they, they were hoping uh, it, 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 it would do, and that is fantastic news for the market. You know, that doesn't mean that this is over. That doesn't mean that inflation has gone away. Uh, I think we, it is still definitely a concern. If you look at some of the numbers uh, within July's print, we saw a 9.2% decline in gas prices. It's a huge impact on, on the overall uh, CPI number. You know, I think that led to overall price declines. You know, but if you look across the other segments, we still do see above average price growth uh, in, in, in other segments, specifically like food. So that's something to continue to monitor. Um, and what this tells me is that you know, it's not time to rest. The Bank of Canada will continue to be vigilant in their policy uh, and will make sure that they are uh, keeping up to, to keep up this momentum of, of cooling inflation. You know, if you look at what the market is pricing in for September, we're looking at uh, the market's pricing in basically a, a guarantee that it'll be 50 basis points and a 78% chance that is a 75 basis point hike in September. So, you know, Although we are moving forward in the right direction, don't expect rate, rates to stop going up for the, in the short term. As Charles said, you know, we're looking probably at mid-2023 before we see a reversal in, in Bank of Canada or Fed policy. But I think one of the things you can take away and one of the, outlook, the, the, the positives is that we're, we, are, we think we may have hit peak inflation. We, we think that we are moving in the right direction and that, that the Bank of Canada and Fed um, seems to have inflation under control. And that's definitely what the inflation, one-year inflation break-evens are telling us, is that the market firmly expects both central banks to be successful in cooling and controlling inflation uh, going forward. So, you know, although I think it's important to stay cautious um, you know, because, you know, things like a large drop in fuel prices is meaningful to the overall CPI number. I think it is great to see kind of moving into the fall uh, and then moving into the end of the year that, you know, the, um, the inflation problem seems to be corralled right now. And hopefully with continued policy and, and tight monetary policy, uh, we will start to uh, see a drop in inflation, uh, continued drop in inflation moving forward. Thanks for that update, Matt. Amid rising interest rates and market volatility, consider BMO's top three ETFs yielding over 5%. The BMO Canadian High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWC, features solid historical dividend growth. The BMO Covered Call Canadian Bank's ETF, ticker ZWB, invests solely in Canadian financials, presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. Or the BMO Covered Call Utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, provides exposure to an equal weight portfolio of utilities, telecoms, and pipeline companies. To learn more, visit bmoatfs.ca and search for tickers ZWC, ZWB, and ZWU. I want to turn to something that's a little more current. 
we've got bank earnings season upon us, and we're seeing some challenging uh, announcements out of the gate. Can we get your comments on the Canadian banks and what that might mean for ZEB, our equal weight bank ETF, and ZWB, our covered call uh, Canadian bank ETF? Thanks. Indeed, Mark. Uh, no. Now we have uh, what is that? We have three out of six major banks have reported. So uh, it's, it's been, uh, to say the least, uh, a challenging quarter uh, for Canadian banks. Uh, we have Scotia, RBC, National, uh, or reported small, uh, small, some losses in some degree. And we still have TD, CIBC, BMO uh, still to come. Uh, uh, so beyond the, the raw Headline: um, The common theme shaping up uh, from those reporting is that uh, weaker markets are weighing on banks' capital market revenue. Um, you know, uh, capital markets seem to be a, a weak link uh, in in uh, the earnings report for for bank. Um, at the same time, uh, it seems like uh, I was reading before just coming to a meeting here is that uh, bank continuing to experience some uh, you know both strong growth in in uh, in loan business and as a result of higher rates, uh, but also margin expansion uh, on the retail, uh, uh, existing retail uh, uh, banking business. So uh, one, one of the, the notes uh, uh, from, you know, particular note of those banks were, were like, uh, we respect the mortgage lending business, uh, but the three banks are indeed seeing some slow, slowing in uh, the level of activity as a, uh, as the housing market cools off, uh, but nothing alarming uh, in terms of uh, default on existing mortgages. And as as one analyst uh, uh, put it, uh, Canadians would be uh, eating macaroni and cheese before uh, default their hand on, on their mortgages. So uh, in, in that sense, uh, there's some uh, you know uh, some good news there. Uh, that said, uh, bank uh, increasingly is facing you know. I would call it a conundrum, right? where whereby rates, uh, you know, higher rates make uh, is existing uh, debt more profitable, uh, you know, because higher margin, but uh, it also clouds uh, long-term output of new uh, new products as Bank of Canada keep uh, keep on tightening, and uh, and you could see that in their uh, reporting that banks are, are increasing their provision for potential default and you know. Should the recession hit, and uh, RBC uh, just called for uh, you know a mild recession uh, sometime in, you know next year. So, what's all that mean for banks? Well, okay, Canadian banks are you know we all know that you know when position when capitalized, uh, you know going back in '08 after a great uh, um, you know you know great recession. Uh, so uh, and, and they continue to shore up uh, with their uh, loan provision, shore up their balance sheet. But we also uh, to recognize that banks have been trading at uh, a pretty, uh, uh, at a multiple discounts. Uh, and, and, and at this level, as a long-term investor, you know, uh, they, you know, any 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 anyone who is a long-term investor should treat uh, any weakness in bank valuation as an opportunity to add to the the their long-term uh, holding, right? Because bank, we continue to pay help dividends, right? And uh, should inflation peak and and a bank of Canada pause somehow, uh, volatility will lessen and and capital markets 
we you know uh, we, we start generating revenue again, and bank is are lacking to be uh, profitable again. So uh, for long term investor, you know uh, I would see those uh, this weakness uh, in, in the bank. Uh, remember, this is the first time they have, uh, uh, you know, reporting losses uh, in, in the earnings for, for some time. So I would take that with this weakness as an opportunity to add in the long term. Now, uh, you know, I like uh, ZDD a lot, you know, it's just because, as I was saying, uh, there is a dynamic where, you know, implied ball, and I was talking earlier, that implied ball is pretty, pretty high, and while the market yeah, the realized world is you know a little bit uh, lower, and then uh, you know this is this is an opportunity for for us uh, we manage uh, ZDB to extract implied for the risk premium that's been rich in the market and it's been persistent over time, while you know the stock uh, or bank stock you know remain subdued. What it does is that you know it gives us uh, the premium and generates the yield at the same time. Increase, you know, we, we are able to increase our, you know, capture ratio where because the stock doesn't go as much as higher and we keep, you know, we don't get call away. So we extract and we keep doing that. That gives it a chance, an opportunity to wait for market to uh, define their footing. So I like, we like ZDB a lot and because just uh, of the current uh, vol environment. But both, both ZDB and ZWB it should be uh, it should be able to have a uh, structural portfolio. Great, thanks for that update, Charles. And as you note, uh, only a few of the banks have come in so far, but we are certainly seeing that uh, negative trend there in play. So appreciate the comments on the Canadian banks and ZEB and ZWB. So with that, that's all the questions that have come in this week. So I want to thank everyone for listening in. We appreciate your time. And of course, thanks to both Matt and Charles. Appreciate your insights. Uh, a lot of challenges in the markets right now. So appreciate you walking us through a lot of the considerations. And with that, I just want to wish everyone a great day. And thanks once again for listening in. Thank you to Mark Rays, Charles Micey, and Matt Montemuro for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Covered Call Utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, a good option to consider for income through exposure to dividend-paying utilities. Our experts also discussed the BMO High Yield U.S. Corporate Bond Hedge to Canadian Dollar Index ETF, ticker ZHY, which offers the potential for enhanced yield while serving as a strong portfolio diversifier through low correlation to traditional fixed-income assets. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.